Today, we are talking to Giannis, the CTO and co-founder of Polefish, and we discuss how his company predicted Brexit, their play for SDK dominance in the gaming industry, and dealing with hypergrowth inside their engineering and sales teams. All of this right here, right now on the Modern CTO Podcast. Here we go. This is the Modern CTO Podcast. Giannis. Hey, how are you, Joel? Oh, buddy. It's so good to hear your voice, man. <laughs> been a month or so, right? Yeah, it's been a month. Wow, life is, time goes by fast, huh? Yeah, really fast. I heard you're using Alexa. Oh, we, I love my Alexa. Yes, <laughs> I do. Are you uh, Alexa or Google Home? <laughs> we have both, but oh. I'm a fan of Alexa. Ah, yeah. okay. <laughs> what about you? Uh, Google Home. Um, I'm not sure which. Uh, I think a Google. I'm a Google fanboy. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Your best friends with Sergey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like. I like talking. I like the act that it's like a human. Like I like the human component. Exactly. It's uh, it's very nice. I think uh, it's just starting. So how how far have you gotten? What have you made yours do? Your Google Home. Uh, unfortunately, currently I'm in Greece, so we don't have that many options. For example, you can't use uh, Google Express to buy stuff. Mm -hmm. So mainly using it for events, reminders, check the weather, that stuff. I have also used a couple of uh, routines. I don't know if you use your, uh, your Nomi or uh, IFTT, Stringify, some of those apps. No, I haven't used those. I mean, no, I haven't used them in the context of my uh, Alexa. Mm, it's nice. You can, uh, for example, let's say when you return home, you can use your routine app to open the lights and stuff like that. Ooh. There's, some, there's a routines menu inside of Alexa. I just haven't played with it yet. Ah, okay. So it's uh, integrated there. With uh, Google Home, I think it's not yet. You have to, uh, to enable the third-party app. Yeah, yeah, probably. Yeah, it's nice. It's just starting. So I think it's going to be really interesting in the next uh, year or so. Yeah, the next five years is going to be crazy for voice. Ah, yeah. So you want, you want some stats here? Because I looked into it. You ready for some stats? Yeah, sure. I, I went to Best Buy to purchase a Google Home because I wanted, I got the Alexa for Christmas and I wanted to know what Google Home was like. So I went there, purchased a Google Home, the the miniature one, the smaller one, and I asked the manager there. I said, "Hey, you know, what was the best selling item this holiday season?" And he said, uh, "There was one. It was the you know the Alexa and the Google Home." There, and I said, "All right, well, what was the second and third? He goes, "There wasn't a second and third. He goes, "Kids wanted it, adults wanted it, teens wanted it." He goes, "Everybody only wanted that." Wow. Okay. I know. I right. It blew my mind. <laughs> wouldn't expect that from kids <laughs> right they all they all are talking they like the idea of talking to alexa okay and so so i said oh, this is interesting so then i went home or back to the office and i went online and i started looking about the growth of voice and like the sales year over year like three years ago like nobody two years ago some some people three years ago it's like doubling tripling right now in the united states 10% of all the households have one. 
and like it's exponentially growing. So I'm thinking two, four, two, two to three years, almost everyone, everyone will at least have one in their home. Yeah. And I think it's going to be way more advanced. I mean, the, the thing with the contextual conversation is just starting. It's, it's very interesting. Well, they get to apply their all, all their machine learning at scale now. The fact that they have 36 million Americans that have one of these in their homes means they get to learn all that much better on massive amounts of data. And as you know, the more data you have, the smarter it is. Exactly. That's the point. <laughs> this is the best part. We're helping to make the system much smarter. Yes, until it ends in our demise. <laughs> <laughs> the robots win. Oh, no. So you're back in Greece right now? Yes, uh, the the R&D department is actually based in Athens, so I returned back to Greece. Okay, because when we talked, you were in New York, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. So we have an office there, uh, marketing, sales, operations, and all that stuff, but the product is built in Athens, in Greece. Oh, that's awesome. So you said the marketing, sales, support, all that stuff is in NYC, but the development team and research, all that good stuff is in Greece? Exactly, exactly. I mean, it's, it's a bit of a challenge because you have the, the time zone difference. But in general, it's pretty much okay because you have like three to four hours in common. Uh, so you can still make things work. So what time is it there right now? Uh, it's uh, 10. <laughs> 10 p.m. at night and it's, th- it's 3 uh, p.m. EST here. So it's late. Is your your family yeah. upset? <laughs> like, go to bed, Giannis. We're, we're still up. Actually, I'm still uh, uh, recovering from jet lag. So it's kind of strange because uh, I wake up at 3 a.m. suddenly. It's the uh, f- first time that I had such a jet lag. I, I was always proud that I, I, I've never had one. But this time it's, uh, it's uh, like all the jet lags together. <laughs> it's that it's catching up to you. That's what's happening. <laughs> exactly. So Polefish, that's going well. How's your hiring spree going? Uh, actually, we're pretty good. We're almost there to have a, what we call a full basic team at least. We're uh, for the product team at uh, 20 people right now. We're expecting to have uh, six more by the end of uh, February. And uh, then we're going to be full at least to run the way we want, we would like to. Uh, it's been a bit of a challenge because we had to, to hire about uh, 12 to 14 people within one or two months. So double the team. Uh, we had a lot of things that we need to take care of, like... Uh, uh, good onboarding and uh, fit with uh, the current culture that we have. We're very proud of the way we, we do things there. Uh, but I think uh, we were really lucky. And the people that join us the, uh, are very good and uh, are, are bringing a lot of value. I think uh, value is something, that you, is something that you focus a lot. And uh, uh, it was a very interesting discussion we had back then. I think they, they really bring a lot of value, which is the most important aspect of things here. Oh, I'm all about bringing that value. So how did you know, um, like when you're expanding your team, these 12, 14 people you brought on, are they mostly developers or were they kind of mixed between developers and sales? Uh, engineers and uh, product owners. So everybody in the pr- uh, product team, no sales. 
So what made you say to yourself, oh man, I need these extra people? Like, how did you know that you needed them? Well, actually, we <laughs> things were getting out of hand in uh, a lot of areas of the product. So we had a huge pipeline that we wouldn't be able to, to cover. We also had, uh, let's say, two different uh, business needs that we should address. So from one side, we have a researcher, someone that uh, wants to run a survey within Polfish, and, uh, and most of the team was focused there. But on the other hand, we also have a publisher. A publisher is the, is the, uh, uh, the owner that provides an app where someone can respond to a survey from Polfish. So it's actually the engine. We're not focused so much there because we didn't have the resources. So we were taking turns like one year focus on the publisher, next year on the researcher. And, you know, this is a marketplace. You have to balance uh, both mm. uh, both sides. Now that we had the chance and we were growing and we're really happy with the revenues, we decided that we need to build dedicated teams uh, to develop both uh, uh, both business needs in parallel. So that was uh, that was the main thing. And um, in terms of the planning uh, aspect of uh, product team, I was doing most of uh, of the planning, which uh, was not enough. <laughs> I was trying to be, <laughs> I was trying to be a CTO, a VP of product, a product owner, and sometimes a, an engineer. So, <laughs> so you you realize that uh, if you are doing. A, three full-time jobs and it's one person, then it's probably something's going really wrong. <laughs> so this was uh, the time that we decided uh, we have to delegate and uh, uh, find people that do that full-time. So you just let yourself, like when you noticed, oh, I'm drowning in three full-time roles, now it's time to, I, push, I pushed myself to the limit, now let's get some people in here to take this over so we can run it smoothly. Exactly. Perhaps we should have done it a bit earlier, but uh, I'm glad we did it now. I mean, it's already, the, the results are already showing up. Were you, were you able to make this transition off of your cash flow or did you need investment capital to do so? Uh, we're venture-backed. So uh, although we have our own revenues and we could, uh, let's say, go slower with the hiring, I think we decide to, to choose always to raise some capital and uh, proceed with the hirings. You know, that's what the venture is there for, right? If you have a cash flow that'll allow you to maybe bring on two or three people, but you have a need to pivot or a need to address the market demand and you need 10 people, well, then it's not so bad to have partners that are VC, right? Exactly. I mean, it, it depends on how fast you want to scale. Uh, we think that it's best to, uh, to serve the customer needs we have right now and uh, go fast instead of waiting to, to cover them in a year or so. No, I agree. That's a valid, valid plan, valid business model, right? Of like how to grow. We had a special. We're having. We're actually in the process of filming a special episode, and what we did was we went and found the most influential uh, coding developers on Instagram, people that have you know tens of thousands of followers, and then we had them come on the show and talk about what they're doing and how they're being influential on Instagram, things of that nature. So has Polefish done anything with influencers in the market, like from your marketing side of things? Yes, not always like uh, professional influencers. However, we, we tried to partner with experienced people, for, for example, experienced researchers to use uh, our service. 
and see if they can uh, get uh, quality results and uh, uh, see the turnarounds of the service. So what we did is we tried to onboard a couple of people from places like uh, Microsoft, Stanford, etc. And uh, uh, they ran a lot of uh, benchmarks and compared us with a lot of uh, traditional firms. And uh, some papers were published, also some publications in uh, uh, places like uh, Washington Post, New York Times, etc. So it's like influencer marketing, I think. Yeah. Um, and it was actually, it was uh, pretty great because uh, it was a validation for us to, you know, to have someone and experienced researchers uh, validating uh, your service. I mean, it's, it's pretty cool and it's pretty inspiring. And uh, of course, it uh, brought a lot of great business. I mean, I don't know your results. Oh, I was just having, I was having them on the show to talk about their position as being influencers. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Because they have so many followers and they're posting about programming and I wanted to know, you know, they're the next generation, right? They're the up and coming set of programmers that are being hired now and just entering the job market now. And and they're on Instagram with, you know, 50,000 followers posting and everyone's, you know, following them and liking their post. And I'm wondering like, what do they think? How do, what type of people are they? So I brought them on the show to talk about them to kind of give some insight to the CTOs, right? Because we're CTOs and we need to know what's happening in the next generation of developers. Because mm-hmm. we're busy doing our thing now and dealing with usually, I don't know about you, but I interact with, with the people that have been writing code professionally for several years. I'm not interacting with as the newer programmers as much these days. So I figured, you know, let's go pull the pull the next generation on and see what they're interested in because they're the, you know, the, the next generation drives the market, right? It definitely makes sense, and uh, you need a lot of. Uh, you actually need a mix of people. I mean, new generation, old generation. I think you need a mix of people to make things work. Oh, I fully agree with that. I mean, a, a diverse ecosystem is is super important. I just realized that I had um, I didn't know what was going on, so I pulled them onto my show, and then I found out that like being influential on Instagram is super important for us, even for even for uh, engineers, right? Yeah. And you know, did you know that it's like 80% female on Instagram for the programmers that are popular? Well, no, I I had no idea. I actually thought, uh, I mean, I'm using personally Twitter and uh, LinkedIn for engineers, but I I wouldn't have thought about uh, Instagram. Right. They're there. And it's mainly female? Well, the people that are popular are mainly female, but their audience is, you know, 70, 80% male. Okay. That's very interesting. Yeah. That's what I thought. I'll have to check it out. Yeah, you're busy running Pollfish, you know, doing massive things over there with like 400 million polls going on and responses. And I'm I'm over here and I'm trying to figure out like what what's coming next, you know? Like I run my business, but I always want to know like what's happening now? Like what are what are the kids these days doing? What's going to surprise me? And it's always hard, you know, to keep up with all the meetups and everything that's going on because the community is so active these days. So it's it's really hard to actually keep up with everything. Yeah, it is. That's why I'm just pulling them onto the show and asking them questions. <laughs> I'm like, just give me give me the good. They're out there eating, sleeping, and breathing it. And I'm like, just give me give me the gist of it. Like, is Snapchat something where programmers are hanging out, or where where is everybody at? And so uh, I took the top you know four or five most followed programmers on Instagram and had them come on the show. So we're putting together that special. 
So do you think it would be, can be even used as a hiring platform to attract talent and stuff like that? I absolutely, I think that you can use the, inf- so people, they seem, and this is, you know, we're halfway through. So I've had two, two of the five influencers on, so I'm still getting um, a, a good feel for it. But what it seems like is happening is everyone's watching these people and what they're doing and that's attention right? If, if like everybody's looking over there, then you need to be over there, right? There's like no excuse for not being where everyone's paying attention. So if everyone decides that Facebook's really important, then you need to be on Facebook because that's where everyone mm-hmm. is, yeah. right? And if everyone decides Instagram's really important, then you got to go be over there because that's where they all are. So I, I was thinking about using influencer marketing. Like when I think about your company, um, do you guys have APIs that you integrate with other people? Yes, this is one of the main ways that we operate. Yeah, so these Instagram influencers would be super uh, important in promoting your APIs because they're they've got you know fifty, sixty thousand programmers that follow them and like every single thing that they do. So if they post, you know, oh, hanging out at the pole fish office today, working on their API or like integrating a mashup into their API, instantly fifty thousand people know pole fish that could integrate with your. Right. If you look at it like that, it's kind of interesting, right? Yeah, that definitely makes sense for us, and I can re- I can relate actually a lot because, as I told you, one of the main uh, uh, roles within the company is uh, what we call a publisher. A, a publisher, someone that uh, owns an app or has developed an app, someone like an indie developer. So I suppose it it would make a, a lot of sense uh, to see if an inf- an influencer can actually relate to the APIs and the SDKs that we have developed for, uh, for developers. Uh, so we're actually a, a monetization stream uh, for any developer, for example, where like when they use ads, they can uh, earn on top of the ads by also using Polfish. Uh, so it's uh, risk-free. So for me, it's it definitely makes sense. I'm really glad to hear that. We're actually going to, to research uh, even from tomorrow about it. Right? Because if if you have the option of tomorrow, 50,000 developers learning about Polefish, like would that benefit your business? Probably. Yeah. So So then all you have to do is go online and find the people who have 50,000 people follow them and just say, hey, talk about Polefish. And they do. And then instantly everybody knows who you are. Mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly. I think the, the main point is to uh, find an influencer that actually uh, can understand the value that you're bringing, if you're bringing any value to the market. Uh, this is the main mm-hmm. point. For, I, I think for all products, it's a, it's, a real, it's a real challenge. It's a real challenge to actually bring value, unique value, and then to communicate that value to the whole market. Yeah, that's the that's business, <laughs> right? That's like business in its most simple form. Um, so, do you have a co-founder at Polefish? Yes, actually, we're four co-founders. So, uh, the CEO currently is running the whole company, of course, and is in New York, John Papadakis, and uh, uh, two other co-founders, uh, Andreas Vurkos, is mainly running the publisher acquisition side of things since we mentioned it and uh, this is Bellas uh, is uh, responsible for all the user experience and the communication uh, of Polfish to the customers and the publishers as well a lot of people <laughs> yeah how did you meet each other 
so with uh, John and Andreas, uh, we were uh, at the university together. And uh, initially we thought about a, a developer tool to, to collect surveys. Then we thought, okay, why not uh, allowing everyone out there, every company, every organization to collect, to collect feed, feedback uh, from everyone out there. I mean, we knew back then that uh, in five years time, when we started, it was 2012, uh, everybody's going to be in smartphone. Uh, so this is the way we thought about it and through a common connection, actually one of our advisors, uh, we met Zisis, the uh, designer and uh, uh, user experience. Sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> You're breaking stuff back there. <laughs> so you guys all were engineers working together and wanting feedback from the apps you were making. So you created Pullfish. That's all, that sounds a lot like Slack. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've known about Slack. Yeah, actually, it's, it's quite similar. It was uh, mainly for internal usage. And uh, then we decided to go public. <laughs> That's true. Never thought about it. Right. And then it says here that Polefish predicted Brexit. Mm. I want to know about that. How, do, how, how come that bullet point's on my list here? Yeah. Uh, actually, I think that uh, due to the fact that we ask uh, everyday people like you and me, I think we mm-hmm. have a way to get more quality responses. So initially, actually, we even uh, predicted the Greek referendum here in Greece. Uh, mm-hmm. Then we managed to predict uh, Brexit. And uh, actually, we even predicted uh, the favorable vote in the United States and uh, also a couple of uh, uh, swing states. Uh, so it's it's going pretty Pretty good, actually, <laughs> in terms of predictions. Well, that's like a hundred percent. It's going well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. If you ask the people, they just kind of tell you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And for us, it's it's interesting because it's uh, one of those of those times where you have uh, um, a lot of things that are you know you can't actually predict them because they're. Uh, 50% there, 50%. So you're not exactly sure uh, what's the outcome. So it's really interesting because if you had like a sure win, then, okay, it wouldn't be uh, that valuable. But now that it's always, uh, you know, somewhere in the middle, it makes much more sense if you can uh, predict something. I was just thinking about, you know, who's going to know the next election? Amazon and Google because they have these recorders in our homes <laughs> <laughs> and all they have to do is go like machine analysis, the transcripts and say, oh, this person wins. Yeah, exactly. I think it's a next step for Polfis even to have a, a skill uh, that is powered within one of those uh, mediums. Ooh, please. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense for us. <laughs> Thank you. I had some other people on the show who will remain nameless <laughs> and they were very, very like not interested in voice being the future. They're like, no, that's not right for my company. That's not. And I was like, dude, I use your product and it would be right for your company. <laughs> I'm a huge fan. I'm a huge fan. I mean, uh, I'm totally sold. <laughs> Why not? It's the future. I even put it in my book because I'm like, I wanted it to be published, you know, at a certain date so I can look back and be like, told you so. You know, look back, I see like, look, it was in my book four years ago. I told you voice was the future. 
you can actually you can actually keep their Twitter accounts and then send them uh, tweets. <laughs> I think it was who did that? I think it was uh, Gary V from uh, Vaynerchuk uh, when he told that uh, Instagram was uh, bought at a really low valuation and everybody was uh, was laughing at him. And then when they made the offer for uh, Snapchat and uh, I'm, I'm not sure WhatsApp, I'm not sure WhatsApp. 18 billion or something, yeah. Yeah, then he sent it to everyone tweets that I told you so. After I mean, after like four or five years and he, he sent them tweets, I told you so, I told you so, I told you so. <laughs> oh, I love Gary Vee. I, I, I remember that story. He like went on vacation with his wife and he sat there on the beach and just like, responded to every single person. Haha, I told you so. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Did you get to meet Gary Vee while you were in New York? No. Is he in New York? I didn't know oh, that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no. his offices are in New York. I, I was busy trying some cocktails. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when are you going to be in New York next? Uh, not sure, really. Uh, I mean, we, we have a lot of things going on here with the product. It's really exciting times to be in our uh, uh, department here. So I think I'm going to stay, perhaps even enjoy the summer here. It's a bit better than New York. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Perhaps uh, September or October. Okay, so probably later this year. Yeah. yeah. All right, well, next time you're there, let me know, because I have family in New York, so I'm going to bump up to New York. It's only like a three-hour flight, and we're going to come hang out and have, try some of those cocktails. Great, great. We'd love to meet in person. Yeah, Gary Vee has this dinner thing that they do like once a month where you can buy a ticket too and you go to dinner with like 20 people in Gary Vee. Oh. Okay. Yeah, we'll get tickets and we'll go try some of his wine, some cocktails, <laughs> and then be like, what up? <laughs> <laughs> okay, we can definitely try that. Are you speaking at any conferences in the near future? Any any public speaking in the near future for you? Uh, actually, n- not me, but uh, Andreas, one of the co-founders that's running the publisher acquisition, he's currently in a conference in LA, and uh, then he will be in London. So a couple of uh, uh, app conferences, uh, game dev conferences. So we're going a bit. Uh, we're trying to see if offline works too. I mean, the Instagram. A medium that you mentioned, uh, probably worth a shot, but we're also trying uh, different ways. <laughs> Do you compete at all with, I know some of the platforms offer their own sort of polling. Do you, how do you look at that as a business? Like, what do you, do you see it as an opportunity, getting more people involved with polling? Do you see it as competition? So there are two different uh, types of companies. One kind is uh, companies like, uh, let's say, SurveyMonkey, et cetera which are uh, forms, uh, survey forms, and they are not our direct competitors. So, because our value is not the form, our value is uh, the way that we bring the audience. Um, In that aspect, uh, we don't have that many direct competitors. So our main goal is to actually get a lot more people from the traditional market research firms. So this is, where we are aiming. The, if you see uh, market research and how it evolved from um, uh, cold calling uh, to, to take the survey to online polling to now mobile polling, uh, they always used to have and maintain panels. That is people that are uh, 
registered and uh, receive emails daily to um, to answer to surveys and have a very specific profile. These are the main companies that uh, we're trying to to compete with because we think that instead of having what we call professional panelists and having everyday consumers like you and me, we think that this is much more valuable. Yeah, well, it should be, right? Because I really like that you're going after the traditional market research because now would be a great time to go pick them up being a modern tool and they're just starting to open up, you know, because the corporate world moves a lot slower than our tech world, right? So it looks like a lot of those traditional market research people would be just starting to open up to this more modern technology. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Well, this is what we believe too, but we'll see. <laughs> are you are you integrating with any other platforms to grow your brand? Like is Polefish being integrated into other platforms? Uh, what we try to explore currently is to integrate with platforms about uh, data visualization. Imagine that we collect millions of data points every day uh, from all those active users. And uh, uh, we try to provide uh, real-time result dashboards for our customers. Uh, however, when you see out there solutions like Tableau, for example, I don't know if you're familiar with uh, this visualization software. Uh, we try to see if we can integrate and uh, provide an even more sophisticated solution for visualization. Ooh, so are you actually going to data visualization companies and embedding your product inside of theirs to so people can say, oh, I want to fill this chart up, I'll use Polefish to do that? Uh, yeah, exactly. This is what we're exploring now. We, ha we haven't completed any integrations though. But I think in the next couple of months, uh, we will uh, roll out a couple of those. Yeah, because that's like a great way to advertise. All of a sudden, if you get a company that has you know 10 million views a month in their, in their data visualization platform, and all of a sudden, Polefish shows up as a way for them to gather data, that's like lots of, lots of eyeballs. Exactly. And also, from if you see it from another perspective, there are a lot of companies that already use those tools. And mm -hmm. uh, instead of having them trained in your own result dashboard, you can just let them use what they already know how to use and just populate the data there. That's smart. I love it. I love it. And there's a lot, and data visualization is huge right now. Mm -hmm. It helps a lot. I think it's a huge part of uh, machine learning process too. Yeah. What type of. Uh talks uh, is Andres giving in LA and London? What's he talking about there? Uh, a lot of stuff about uh, publisher monetization and mm. what's the trend out there because I mean things have evolved a lot since the days of simple banner ads to you know interstitial ads, video ads and all that stuff to polls and surveys which is what we are doing. So it's mainly about that and uh, sometimes even some more technical talks because uh, Andreas is, a, is also an active developer, mobile engineer. So he, he, he's the, actually the guy that uh, developed uh, the SDKs uh, that uh, power all those uh, 400 million uh, consumers. So it's from tech to purely uh, monetization strategies. Wow. <laughs> SDKs for like iOS and Android or what type of SDKs is he making? Uh, Android and iOS, and uh, we have also expanded to other platforms like Unity, etc. Ooh, like video game, like pulling inside of video games. Whoa, 
Yeah, it's one of the high converting. Because imagine if uh, you're in a game and you can, let's say, either uh, purchase a life or respond to a quick poll and get a life for free. <laughs> wow, this is, uh, this is the future right here. Yeah, because it's like a virtual economy if you think about it. It's, uh, it's very interesting. You got it. Man, this is it. You, it just clicked for me. When I'm inside <laughs> of a video game and a video game developer can prompt me for some sort of digital currency, right? Like a, a DLC pack or like something that's motivating for me. Um, and I can answer a question and give him or uh, give them actionable feedback as the way that they should be directing their brand. That is priceless. I'm glad you liked it. It's actually like 40% conversion rate. It's, it's really high. Wow. Yeah. So, so you guys are, are you going after, so you're building these, you're building the SDKs for Unity and then developers are just snatching them up and integrating them into their apps. You don't even really have to sell the companies on it. The developers just see the need and they grab it and they put it right into their app and they start getting feedback. Exactly. And the, the best part is that we have uh, made it so easy. It's like one line of integration and it's ready. I mean, one line, it's less than five minutes. So, so when do you buy the private jet? <laughs> 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 I'm more of a sailing boats guy, so there you go. <laughs> but uh, I think uh, we have a lot of work. <laughs> yeah. So you, you guys, do you see the light at the end of the tunnel for becoming cash flow positive and paying back the VC, or uh, and then like running things on your own, or how does that relationship work? I think that currently we're more focused on growth. So for us, it's like uh, turning uh, those users to five times more and uh, acquiring more, a lot more uh, customers in the enterprise space. Uh, so it's, our main focus is on growth and much less on uh, profitability. Uh, this is uh, the way we see things now. Although I'm not sure how it's going to be in two years from now, but currently it's growth. This is the first priority. So you guys are making a mad dash towards dominating the market. And once you have the brand in place and everyone's like, oh, you use Polefish for that. Oh, you use Polefish. Once you become the household name, then it's like now we're shifting our thoughts to revenue and how to become profitable. Exactly. Couldn't say it better. <laughs> the revenues, the revenues are, uh, are quite high, but uh, we're not focused on profitability. We're burning a lot. Our our, uh, our expenses are quite high too. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure the VC people know all about that. <laughs> <laughs> no, but but seriously though, the way you get the unicorn style brands is by making the mad dash towards owning the household name. Mm -hmm. Like you want to become the word. You're gonna be like, oh yeah, don't be stupid. Use Polefish for that. Like that's how we do it. You know. And once you become that, then it's just a matter of, of keeping it, you know? Couldn't say it better. I mean, uh, for us, it's, this is uh, pretty much happening a lot in the publisher space. Uh, I think in terms of survey monetization, I think we're the leading, uh, uh, let's say, company. And we want to, to do the same in terms of uh, the researcher space, to be the leading in terms of uh, online polling and uh, mobile polling uh, in the future. So do you structure different teams to go after your different industries? Do you have like one team that focuses on Unity, one team that's focusing on sort of your corporate world? How do you divide that up? So this is, uh, this is exactly what we did. We had, initially we had one team, as I told you, and we were taking turns. 
uh, on which aspect of the product we're going to to develop. But uh, currently, this is our approach. So we have a dedicated team uh, that is focused on uh, publishers and a dedicated team that is focused on researchers. And uh, we're trying to treat uh, Polfis as two different companies. So we're trying to think as uh, completely different companies. So have different sales structure for researchers, different sales for publishers, and the same for the development team. I think this simplifies a lot of things and uh, it's much better to be decoupled uh, because it allows you to, to scale the teams much more easily. What? Are you arguing that decoupled systems are more stable? <laughs> 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 Preach into the choir, speak up. I love it, man. <laughs> uh, are, you the first, are you the first one to enter in this Unity thing or am I just like so out of it that I didn't realize that this is a thing inside of video games? Mm, in terms of surveys, I think yes. In general, as I told you, we're trying to be the leaders there. We we pretty much had the know-how because we were solving a, our own need. This is this was the best part about Polfis and the publisher aspect of it. Are you making videos of how you're able to do that for video games and then like pushing them out to the video game company employees? Uh, we have a couple of tutorials. I don't think we have a, an updated video with the latest SDK version, but we ho- we have a lot of uh, use cases and uh, examples on GitHub too. Imagine this. Imagine you're scrolling through Facebook and mm-hmm. you're a developer at one of the Microsoft gaming studios mm-hmm. or maybe you know, PlayStation or Xbox or whatever. Maybe you're working on like the newest iteration of Call of Duty, right? And you're you're scrolling through your Facebook feed because it's Saturday, and all of a sudden you see this high energy video game style trailer, right? Mm-hmm. And in and they're showing the user play, and all of a sudden, do do do, like a, like the poll comes up, like at the you know appropriate moment, the user responds, boom, and then it shows the video turning to the development team of the game and getting like actionable feedback, and it's all animated and like really cool, like high energy stuff. All of a sudden, that developer sitting there saw like a you know one minute, 90 second clip of the fact that this is possible, right? The fact that they can they, they can do this in their games and then they're like blown away by it. That's actually pretty good. Are you, are you interested in uh, joining our marketing department? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I am. No, that was just right off the top of my head. That's what I, that's what I see in my head when you're talking. Like that just is what pops in. I'm, I'm like, this is what would get me. And you could run that ads against all the developers that, make video games at those companies and then within you know one week every developer would know that polefish is a possibility to drag and drop into their video game and they would bring it up in meetings and they would talk and everybody would be like whoa you got to do this polefish thing because i haven't seen that in a video game yet i play video games i'm a fan of gaming so is my brother so is jake who's here in the studio with us we all play games and none of us have seen that yet and i'm like that that's the win that's a huge win no as, as a developer i can definitely relate i mean it's a really great approach yeah. So yeah, we'll clip that part of the call and send it to your marketing team. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> it's, it's been pretty inspiring this whole uh, conversation. I mean, uh, from uh, Instagram for engineers uh, to even this idea. It's very nice. Yeah, that's what we try to do. We try to bring value to you and the listeners, and that's what it's all about. You know, just sharing. We actually have. Um, do you know uh, Epix Entertainment? Yes. Yes. Yeah. We had Adrian Jura on the show. Um, they're a large mobile gaming company. He was he was actually our first episode. I'm going to send an email to him after this and be like, "Yo, check out Polefish because <laughs> you can get crazy stats on how people are using your 
your games and they they do 20 games a year man wow okay yeah that would be that would be great and if you look at their games oh my god giannis they're they're like they're the best of the best man wow okay i will check them out thank you yeah check them out and then just be like yo Hey, uh, Adrian, you and I were both on, both talked to Joel. We're both on our show. We should uh, get together. I'll send the email. I'll connect you to. Thank you very much. That would be awesome. All right, cool. This is a fantastic conversation. I really appreciate you coming on and talking with me, Giannis. Thank you very much. It's my pleasure. It was really fun. Thank you so much for listening to the Modern CTO Podcast. Share this. Get the word out. Thank you guys so much. I couldn't do it without you. I appreciate it. You guys are the absolute best.